All right. Joker here. Welcome you to another edition of the Knife Party Podcast, where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. And without any further ado, please let me welcome your host, Zachary Evergreen. <laughs> Love that Joker. So glad Eli was able to book somebody. Oh, hot mic. Pipe me down a little bit. There we go. So welcome to the Night Party Podcast. This is the Joker just uh, introduced me. Thank you very much, by the way. Again, I hope we're paying him well. Because uh, Mark Hamill needs the money. You could find me on everything at Zach Evergreen. Or if you type in Night Party Pod, usually something will pop up. On Twitter, I'm Father Heel again. Because reasons. And uh, most importantly, patreon.com slash knifepartypod. For only $1, you get all these episodes free. And eventually when there's ads up there, because we are growing, um, you won't have to deal with that crap. And also we're going to do some specials, actually. And the uh, talks of getting Jeff the Tech and Antonius together. Because, um, yeah, maybe something on the side. Still Night Party related, but, you know. Um kind of more of a freeform bullshit chat or or something uh, via PSN and um, recording it and do doing something with it. I don't know. Um, I'm a little all over the place because I just pressed record and I just woke up like 30 minutes ago and I'm not going to lie, I was a bad boy yesterday. I'm pretty hungover. Um, I can't drink like I used to, which is good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So um, in order today, as it being 11, 11, 12, I've had as such um, 32 ounces of water, one coffee, and I'm just taking a tiny, tiny little nips of this red wine. You know what they say about Hera the dog, right? Ooh, that was a great segue. Fuck yeah, that's why I make the big bucks. Oh, man. All right. Um, Yeah, so today we are talking an American wealth in London. Um, But... Okay, I need to apologize for a couple of things, not only for the unprofessionalism of just everything I do in general. You should be used to it by now, though, so who cares? But uh, because this is going to be the making of American Wolf in London episode, um, I actually had first-time podcaster ever. You see how I get these guys? I find one at a, a girl at a bar and bring her over. She's never done it. And then I, I find this other nerd. Um, one of my good friends, Rob, he loves knives, beers, beards, dwarves, and, and yeah, but he's never seen, uh, an American wealth in London. And I go, what are you serious? And I go, well, dude, no time like the fucking present. So we watched it. And then right after, um, he had like a hard out and I said, Hey, you know what? Because it's still fresh in your, in your memory and you've never ever done a podcast before and you've never seen this movie. Why don't we just do one right now? And he was down. But the only problem is I hastily set everything up. Like I didn't have my whole setup because it's been so cold. I don't want to leave my mics and such out, you know. So I just kind of jumped right on it and started recording. Now, here's the bad thing, though. And doing such, I didn't really check all my connections. And I think it was one of my, I think it was like my cable that goes from the recorder to the mic itself. It was coiled a little bit. And I think it made some residual echo, some feedback. 
So it's very tin canny sounding. I do replace it as the episode goes on. I do like uncoil it because I kind of figure it out. And I'm so in the beginning, it's a little, it's a little. The audio is not the best quality. Um, to believe it or not, it sounds like early Adam Carolla, where you can kind of hear it's two guys just in a room. Uh, as it goes on, it gets better though. I started playing clips and 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 fixing things during the clips. But uh, yeah, so if you want to listen to it, it's the episode after this. It is very good. Um, just the quality isn't is what normally what I've been you know. I, I think I have a good quality sounding podcast. I know my levels aren't exactly right. I've been working on that too. I do listen to you guys. Hence the intro. Patreon member uh, said you got to have something consistent. You know, you, you can't just be pressing well, to be fair. button all the time, right? But, you know, and but with that being said. Well, to be fair. Oh, don't say to be fair. I hate when people say to be fair. At least I have it so I can uh, uh, cue it on and off. Um, the only clip I have for you today on this is going to be the uh, trailer, and I'm going to end with it. Um, you know, just to not like interrupt the flow or whatnot. So uh, let's talk about America Moral in London. Um, this episode is going to be known as Beware the Moon. Um, 89% Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually really good considering, again, I don't know how many times I've said this. This movie almost didn't get made. Um, yeah, uh, it, it just... People that were into horror movies that were producers said this movie is too silly. Like, this will never get made. And then people that were comedy were like, this movie is too disgusting. Like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to do this movie or produce this movie. So, uh, yeah, that's one. We'll get to that in a second. Let me just go um, chronological order what I've written down here. Um, all the songs on the soundtrack have Moon in it. There is Bad Moon Rising. There's a few versions of Blue Moon. There's Moon Dance. Um, the whole soundtrack, every song has Moon. Um, oddly enough, this was drink Peter Steele from Typo Negative's favorite movie, and uh, I would like to think that the song Wolf Moon has something to do with it, um, or, or this has something to do with the writing of that song. Seeing if you listen to the lyrics, it's all about you know sex and Connie Linguist and and werewolf stuff, and they even say you know beware the mo- uh, woods at night, you know, and all the other good stuff. It's a great fucking song. It's on October Rust, uh, which is probably my favorite album right after Sgt. Pepper. October Rust is a fantastic fucking album. If you haven't heard that album, you, you should stop what you're doing, rate, review, and and like whatever you're listening to on me on, and then go listen to it, and then come back. And start from the beginning. That way I get credit twice. I think that's how it works. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know much about analytics. I just know if you get go to Patreon, you get your episodes early, <laughs> and I get a dollar. And if you go on anything else like YouTube, I, I don't I, I don't make any money from them whatsoever. Uh, I be, I we ended our war. Uh, remember, if you've been a listener, I basically said, you know what? Here, I don't I don't give a shit. D- demonetize them. Like I do not care. Just I don't care if I get a dollar from them, just as long as they're up there, so that way Apple users can listen to them. Um, you know because I'm not on iTunes and and that that continues. I don't think I'll ever be on iTunes. That doesn't matter. So yes, all the songs have moon in them. So, uh, uh, you know, even though this right here, when I'm playing to you in the background, this is actually the score. It's not the soundtrack. Um, this obviously doesn't have the word moon in it, but yeah, uh, it was composed by, oh shit, what is the guy's name? I'll get to that in a second. God, I'm all over the place, man. Uh, the effects were done by the same guy who did Wolfen. And, uh, or yeah, which is hilarious because Wolfen, oh, and The Howling. So Wolfen, The Howling, and this movie all came out in 1981. And the common denominator was the dude that made uh, those, um, all the effects 
It was the same person. And American Wolf London was the last one he did. So he kind of got to uh, pancake the first couple. What I mean pancake is, you know, when you are making pancakes, the first one's always like shitty. It's always either burnt or misshapen. And then the second one comes out perfect. You know, um, that was just something that my stepdad used to say. You're pancaking, you know, trying to figure it out. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. There is at the end of the movie a congratulations um, to uh, Princess or uh, Prince Charles and the Princess Di and their wedding because it was an apology. Uh, there's a part where David yells out, Prince Charles is a faggot when he's trying to get arrested. Um, and uh, they also said Queen Elizabeth is a man. Uh, he, he just says like the most stupid, like non-insult insults. It's kind of like, you know, your mother's a bad cook. So David's a nice Jewish boy. He didn't know, you know, I think he yells cunt too, which is funny because that's like nothing over there. And uh, then, then the chancellor guy goes like, are you trying to get arrested? And he goes, yes, yes, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get arrested. And he's like, move along now. And he's like, he's not going to arrest me. Is this a prank? I've seen this movie too many times. Okay, Dan Aykroyd and uh, Belushi, um, they were nearly going to play David and Jack. Uh, and uh, th- here goes a funny thing. That's the name of Jonathan Fallen and I, our dads, are named David and Jack. Isn't that weird? Anyway, and we both really like this movie. I like it a little bit more than he does, though. I don't. He's not really a werewolf guy. He's a Team Edward. I guess I'm Team Jacob. Actually, no, there's not very many good werewolf movies. Unless you consider, like, the fly one, which it's not. But, I mean, it is about, like, you know, lycanthropy, I guess. Not really. Yeah, moving on. Um, so, yeah, they were going to play it, but then... They were thinking, you know, hey, if we do this, they're gonna they're gonna think it's they're gonna assume it's gonna be a a a, a mile a minute laugh storm, and no one's really, not that you could really take this movie seriously anyway. But they thought it would hurt the credibility of the movie, um, just because you know you have fucking the Blues Brothers running around there, you know that that, that would be weird. Oh, Joe Rogan has a replica of the werewolf um, in this movie. You actually get a good glimpse of it at the very end. Um, you kind of get a, a teaser of it when it's in the subu subway the subu subway <laughs> subu. The fuck is a subu? It sounds British, doesn't it? Oi, mate, give me a subu. Blood fam, subu. Yeah, what's wrong with me? Okay, moving on. Let's see what else we got. Ah, of course, the credits. I'd be remiss, right? There's not too many actors in here. And all of them are British, except for uh, David and Jack. Um, there's a, there was a law, I don't know if it's still there, that if you're going to film in some of those historical, historical areas, all of them must be, all the actors, rather, must be from Scotland or England or the UK in general, right? That you couldn't have American actors over there and get permits unless they were more expensive. There's all this like red tape um, in order to film at some of those, you know, those locations because they're, uh, they, they have a firmament to them, I guess. I don't know, it'd be kind of like, uh, you know, having a, I can't even think of a simile. Uh, but, you know, it'd be like uh, having a, a gangster, like, movie 
outside of the Vatican, it'd be a bad look and they probably wouldn't like it. Unless they were all Italian and it was set like into some kind of historical accuracy and then, then they'd probably go, I guess, you know. So anyway, it's the same thing with this. Um, they didn't want, you know, a lot of places being filmed there um, unless they had all British actors. So apparently they had to pull a little bit of teeth to get David and Jack in there. But I'll tell you the real names in just a second. Um, so we have uh, David Schofield. He's the dart player. He's the one that goes, you made me miss. I have never missed that board. Which is like the most dramatic scene. And he said in the making of it that that was like one of the scariest things he ever did. He goes, if I don't nail this line, I'm fucked. And uh, he does have some some stuff at the end. So even though he only has, I think, about four or five lines in this movie, um, he's a super important character because... He kind of leads our main characters to their their demise, but he also leads the doctor into, uh, you know, f- figuring shit out in a way. Um, we have John Landis. He's a director. Uh, John Landis is the one who sweet-talked, um, you know, England to letting them, London, actually, for letting them uh, film and all that other good stuff, um, even though they didn't have... <laughs> they didn't have um, Belushi and, and Arnold. Oh, by the way, though, he that was one of his little things. He goes, hey, hey, you know, check it out. Uh, let us, if you want to just turn around and, and let us film here. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, next time you're in Hollywood, I'll let you meet Belushi. And, I was, and he would tell everybody that. Next time you're in Hollywood, I would blank. And it would work. Um, uh, you have um, <laughs> David not Newton, N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N. He's, he plays David, um, oddly enough. Uh, he had a disco song called Making It. And also he had a, uh, he was also the Dr. Pepper ad guy, which is kind of funny. I always used to get him and uh, Kyle, um, Kyle McLean, uh, their identities mixed over. Oh, by the way, on my, um, my, what was my last top 10 one? Top 10 endings. I totally fucked up his name at the end. Um, I think I called him Paul McLaughlin or something or, or McKaylin or something, but it's not. It's 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 Kyle McLean. I've been watching so many of these movies recently and writing down a bunch of names. Some of them I know, like by heart. Some of them I don't know, and some of them I just fuck up. For instance, Landis. I almost said Cronenberg. Probably because they both have really good effects. But I mean, you know, then what I would have done is I would have listened to it back and went fuck, and then seeing how I don't edit, maybe I'll have to learn just to like you know go in and goes and then Cron and then it will go and then. Landis. <laughs> if I do ever edit, I'm going to make it abruptly uh, clear that it was a, a fuck up. I'm not going to even try to be smooth about it. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah. Um, John Landis loved those Dr. Pepper ads and hired him on the spot, which is kind of cool. Right? Um, you have Jenny Otter, who's uh, Nurse Alex Price, who was a fox. Um, the Blu-ray player I bought... Um, PlayStation 5, yep, yeah, that's awesome. Um, actually, it is amazing, especially that it has an aux out so you can record what you watch and also have people, as pre-mentioned, I probably will have Antonius and Jeff on here uh, on PSN just because we can all get together without leaving our houses because we're old and married and uncool. It's well, except for Antonius. He's just old. I mean, no, wait, no, he's not. He's just uncool. But uh, so... Um, yeah, the new Blu-ray player, I got uh, this on Blu-ray because I couldn't find it anywhere. I was looking everywhere for this fucking movie. And so I bought it on uh, Blu-ray and it came with a, an extra disc. And it was 
the name of this episode, which is Beware the Moon, and it was uh, about an hour and 10-minute documentary I watched. So a lot of this information I'm giving you is from that, but also uh, there's a couple of other guys that I follow um, that uh, I steal a lot of their information from. Uh, they know who they are. And I don't know if they want to be mentioned or not, because, you know, I might say something that they don't agree with, even though this is not political. You know how it is. The fuck was I? Oh, yes. Nurse Alex Price. All right. Now, we have Griffin Dunn, or Dune, D-U-N-N-E. Uh, he plays Jack. Um, funny thing is, remember I just said I used to get uh, Kyle McLaughlin and... Oh, hi, kitty. Little Miss Raven. How you doing? Um, remember I told you how I used to get Kyle McLaughlin and David Newton, like, um, confused? Another funny thing is I had this movie was on before my version of Dune, and it was on one of those tapes, you know, those six-hour tapes that you would you would put two VCRs and you would rent a bunch of movies and just make really long ones. Hopefully they didn't have a tape guard on them. If you're old enough to know what a tape guard is, you're shaking your head like, oh, motherfucker. Those things sucked. They would change the color of whatever you were ripping. Um, so if you put in, like, I had a copy of Predator, and it was almost impossible to watch because it would go from red to blue every, like, three minutes. So only for about a minute and 30 seconds would it be normal every three minutes. So only 50% of the time. But it was Predator, and a lot of the movie is blue anyway, so I just would pretend it's in Predator Vision. I don't know. I mean, I did notice it as a kid. It did throw me, because I remember the first time seeing it, like, just without any of that, I was like, oh, my God, so much better. Even though I did see it, first time I saw it was at, huh, I think it was my uncle-in-law's house or something, some shit. No, not in law. My stepdad's brother's house. He was babysitting. He's like, want to watch Predator? And I'm like, I'm six, but yes. Uh, what else? Oh, and he showed me the figure four leg lock. And I am not the master of the figure four leg lock. I'm more of a, I'm more of a sharpshooter type guy. Um, because the figure four leg lock, if you flip the person over, you reverse the pressure. And I'm not willing to risk that, right? And, um, yeah, the sharpshooter is just a better move, in my opinion. Even though it, an, originally it was called the scorpion death lock. Bret Hart claims he invented it, but no, Sting did. Fun fact. There you go. Take it home with you. You know, I invented everything. You know, he's a snake in the grass. Okay, so, yeah, uh, Griffin Dune. Um was the one who played Jack. Then we have uh, John Woodvine, who's Dr. Hirsch. By the way, how cool of a fucking name is that? Woodvine. Jonathan Woodvine. That's very proper. Um, very serious, kind of thespian type guy. Um, I have seen him in one other thing. I can't even remember what it was. I was racking my brain. I caught it. probably could have went to IMDb and searched it, but I think it, what I saw him in was like a TV show or something. I don't think it was a movie. That being said, every time I see him, he's always for whatever wearing like a white or a cream jacket with like black underneath. I don't know why. So I guess that's just like his style. And he always has that Wayne from, um, from, uh, um, not Trailer Park Boys. God damn it. Letter Kenny. He's always got that Letter Kenny kind of haircut, you know. But, uh, well, to be fair to him, he does wear it very well. So that it really, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, let's see what else. Then we have Brian Glover. He is the chess master. Uh, he's the one that tells that awesome off-color joke in the beginning. And um, remember the Alamo. And he's kind of like the protector of the of the slaughtered lamb. He, you know, he kind of watches over, makes sure their secrets don't get out, which I don't know why, because it seems like all of them, 
you know, they're trying to protect it or something. I, I, it, it doesn't really make sense when you actually think about it. Like, wouldn't you want people to come? Maybe because they don't want people there in order to get bit because they think it's going to be like an epidemic. I don't know. I'm just saying it, it makes half sense to me. That's all. Okay. The slaughtered lamb does exist and it is still open, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. It does. Now, here's the difference though. The inside is actually called the black swan. So the exterior looked perfect and was actually in the area, the slaughtered lamb that was, but apparently inside it wasn't like big enough or it, it I, I forgot what they, I forgot exactly why they didn't do it there. And it was something so just minor and bullshit. Um, I think it's what it was is the slaughtered lamb looked too disheveled inside than it did outside. Anyway, it's open now. You can go there. Actually, you can go to both. Um, and, uh, but the slaughtered lamb, no, they do not have the pentangle and the, and the, uh, uh, candles there, even though they definitely should. If I own that place, I'd be like, you need to put that up like right now. And also I would have like, you know, the, the dartboard and all the other good stuff. I would try to keep it as like looking like the movie as much as possible. That's just me. Um, cause you know, I mean, think about it. how many people, I mean, if I was in fucking England, I'd be like, dude, we need to go to the slaughtered lamb. Well, it's a three hour drive. No, it's not because it's so small. I, I heard my wife sent me something funny. It goes like, in California, you could drive from here to Disneyland. It'll take you like six hours, right? If you're like driving from London and you just head east, you'll be in like five different countries in five hours. And all the names for bread will change and all their accents will be different. So anyway, uh, where the hell was I? Yeah, the Slaughtered Lamb. Go check it out if you're in the area. If you have been there, shit, email me pictures or whatever. That would be awesome. I'd like to see that. You know, I got to get some merchandise. Yeah, if someone had like a knife party t-shirt on at the Slaughtered Lamb, oh, that'd be sick. I'd have to send them a prize or something. You know, I was thinking about doing a contest recently. We'll talk about it later. Okay, so um, let's see. Oh, yeah, so um, the, the script idea was written by John Landis when he was 18. Now, here's how he got the idea for it. Um, when he was uh, working on a movie, and this is when he was a, a, a strapping young lad, right? Uh, he was in Yugoslavia? 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 I don't know. Yugoslavia. Yeah, that's it. I'm telling you, 11... 11.35 in the morning, stone cold sober, still can't talk. Yugoslavia. Just wanted to give a dramatic pause to see if I could actually do it this time. Um, and uh, when they were in Yugoslavia, uh, they were, for whatever reason, um, the director, I forgot who it was and forgot what movie it was on. I want to say it was something like Apocalypse Now, but it, I could be wrong. I think I am wrong. Um, either way, they uh, went to this. They witnessed a funeral when they were driving because they were burying this person in a crossroads. Now, this person did something incredibly evil. John Landis doesn't remember, but he remembered that it was either rape or murder or both. He he just forgot. I don't know how you forget that. And I'm not trying to make light of it because rape is never funny. Um, that being said. They didn't want him, because he was such an evil dude, to return to the dead and start attacking people. 
like a vampire or a zombie or a werewolf or something. So what they did is they buried him, um, you know, feet first, apparently, instead of head first, and they covered him with lime and salt, and they wrapped him, and they mummified him, and they put silver and a bunch of other precious metals and religious objects on this person. And um, it was a gypsy funeral. So it says here, uh, wrapped in rosemary garlic, buried him crossroads, da 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 da. Yeah, so anyway, uh, the reason why is, you know, they were the gypsies, thought they had, he was cursed and he was gonna come back. And Landis goes, oh man, that's a great idea for the beginning of a movie, but what would I do, you know, like, I do vampires, or I do werewolves, or I do zombies, and for whatever reason, just werewolf popped in his head because um, of John, uh, Lon Chaney's Wolfman, uh, the gypsy is the one who like warns them, and they even mention it in the Slaughtered Lamb. Actually, uh, that's where the pentacle comes from, and and uh, uh, that's when Jack tries to nudge David on to asking about, hey, what's that star? So there's that. Let's see what else. I must have more notes to this. I'll just bullshit for a minute. How about that? Oh, I think that might be all I have. I do know more than this about this movie, though. Um, okay, so for instance, uh, a lot of this movie, the effects were done, they don't look that, oh, how do I say it? They look very complicated, but they're, they're actually, uh, they're not that complicated. They're just the way they shot it makes it look more complicated. Um, ooh. I do. I did find some some uh, uh, some more notes here. Um, so if you didn't know the embassy member, um, he is the voice of Kermit the Frog, which is pretty hilarious. Um, you know, he's like, "Those damn kids don't pay to that." And Kermit the Frog is in this movie twice. So Kermit the Frog is also in the uh, Nazi zombie scene, um, which is like one of the most terrifying fucking scenes of the movie too. That. And that noise that you hear that they that they make is actually the noise in Five Nights at Freddy's. I haven't confirmed this, and no one's even said anything except for when I watched it, right? And uh, Rob, who was the person reviewing the movie with me, shout out Rob, he actually goes, dude, that's, rewind, that's the noise from Five Nights. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right, it is. It, it is exactly it. There's no way it couldn't be from there. Um, yeah, it's the exact noise, and it, it is fucking terrifying. Except for instead of Foxy Fazbear or whatever the fucking thing's name is, it's a it's a Nazi zombie with a knife and it's evil. Um, so that scene was each makeup effect person did each mask. So that's why they kind of look different, which is pretty cool. Uh, and um, shit, they all kind of had like little themes. Like one of them was supposed to be like a bat. One of them was supposed to be like a half decayed uh, zombie goblin thing. One of them was supposed to be like a, a wolf without skin. And, um, yeah, it's a really, it's the creepiest scene out of everything. Um, let's see what else. Uh, some other things about the makeup I was telling you about, a lot of them were doing like with water bottles. So when you see, okay, first off, they had, a, they did a lot of it backwards. The whole werewolf transformation scene was six, six, uh, days in a row, 10 hour days. And a lot of the times David was actually, um, sitting or standing a lot of the times. So they made this little barrel space underneath the floor. So his head was just poking out the top of the floor where his body was underneath. And then they put the prosthetics underneath his neck and told him to lean back. So it looked like 
he was laying down on the ground and he wasn't, right? And then they had these pulleys and and uh, poles and they'd move them around to make like the limbs kind of move around, which is pretty cool. Now, David in real life was hairless. The dude didn't have any chest hair, like at all. So they said that was good and bad. It was good because they didn't really have to do a color match that, you know, at all. They could make the color whatever they wanted. But it was bad because they knew it was going to be a lot more work, it, like just starting from scratch than having something kind of to work with. So when you see him sprout hair and, and it happens really fast, it, it looks really cool. Like you're like, whoa, that looks awesome. But what they just did is they had a bunch of hair and they just pulled it backwards and filmed it backwards or filmed it, played it backwards, but filmed it. So they, they had a bunch of hair and just, and they just put it in and then they slowed it down and just, and replayed it backwards and it looked like it was coming out. Um, there was a lot of water bottles done and these water bottles, they would like fill up with air and that's how they would move it around. Now they had this brand new type of rubber plastic uh, and it, it never got used before. And that's like when the mouth comes out and, and uh, they were actually going to do one profile almost done and one profile full werewolf. So uh, that's why it's shot from that side. Um, you see it from, uh, it would be the werewolf's right side of his face, right, only. And then they were gonna do one from the left side when it was almost fully done. They didn't do that for whatever reason um, because it just ended up not looking right or whatever. So they just kept it and then it shows it down the middle where you kind of see it half form and half not. It is actually a really cool effect. I didn't notice it till I watched the making of on this, which is pretty interesting. Um, all these effects, by the way, were, uh, <laughs> they were so shit. You know, whenever something, it was two steps towards three, uh, three steps back, 100%. Um, because there was a lot of, there was a lot of things that they, you know, would, they would be doing something and then it's like, oh shit, we didn't know that this can't get warm. Uh, meaning some of the plastics and such, they, they, they would melt very easily because they, they had no idea what was, you know, what, what it was used to because a lot of this stuff was brand new. So let's see. Um, got some more notes. Oh. I'll, I'll get more about the effects everywhere. I know this is going to be jumpy everywhere, but my notebook is almost full. And um, sometimes I'll like stop writing or I'll, I'll, I'll get distracted and I'll come back and then I just try writing other shit down. Then I'm like, shit, where'd it go? So sometimes I have to thump through it for a second to find it. But I found some more notes. Um, so Landis is obviously known for Kentucky Fried Movie and National Lampoon's Animal House and Blues Brothers. So when he would approach people with this script, they would really think it was a practical joke. You know, so, yeah. I was talking about when people thought it, too, it was either too funny or too scary. Well, this is actually one of the first things he ever wrote. Uh, let's see. Uh, prosthetics took six months. So I was just talking about the makeup. Those prosthetics took six months before filming even started. So um, the first thing they did is they took measurements of David and they took measurements of Jack and said, cool, we'll see you in six months. <laughs> and then they told Jack, they go, and we hope that you are not claustrophobic because, and in fact, uh, the makeup guy, uh, I'll read his name in a second. Um, when he found out that when he met him, he goes, hi, you're going to be Jack. And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry, by the way. Um, just heads up. So you're not going to be happy in six months. Okay. So the shooting at the Moors was at night and it was so cold that the lighting trees froze. So in the beginning, when you see him and, uh, and when Jack starts singing in Italian, and they're all wet. Yeah, they they had like thermal blankets waiting for them on set. It 
I don't know if you've ever been in freezing cold weather, but it is so windy and wet that it's not freezing. Um, it, it doesn't turn to ice because it's constantly moving. You have like a wet atmospheric river and it could be like 12 degrees Fahrenheit. And even though things should freeze, they don't because things are moving and it is fucking cold. So all their hair was frozen. Their jackets, the reason why they're so shiny, well, it is because their park is A, but B, it's because it's constantly trying to form ice. They would have, um, they had to wrap all the uh, trees for the, 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 the rain trees in electric blankets, which doesn't sound safe, does it? And they would heat up uh, boiling water and put it in like these water bottles and tie them to it just to try to get that shot. They said it was the most miserable thing that they've ever done. And it was, you know, you could you could be in in tundra and be freezing cold. And then you could be where it's a little bit warmer and just have, it's kind of like the difference between dry heat and humidity. Like I, I don't mind dry heat. I don't like it. But I'd rather be in 105 degrees dry heat than 95 degrees humidity. I'm like, fuck that. Get out of here. Anyway, um, the wolf owl was an elephant and a wolf recorded at the same time, along with some other giant cats uh, played backwards, which is pretty cool. It is a very unique sound. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be like a good notification on my phone. Of course, then I probably get fucking sick of it. Oh, man. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Griffin got really depressed. Um, the Jack's person who plays Jack because... Every scene in the movie, besides the opening one, he's dead. And he would have to sit in that makeup chair for four or five hours a day. And he would get really bummed because he would see himself. And instead of going, fuck yeah, I'm doing a cool movie. He'd go, this is, I'm going to die. And it was kind of like a wake up call to him that, yeah, you're going to die someday. And it really freaked him out. And his mom uh, didn't ever want to see the movie. And... um yeah, it just, it really bummed him out. And then, to make matters worse, at the very end, when he finally got used to it, they said, yeah, at the porno scene, we're going to actually use a dummy. And he goes, what the fuck, man? Really? Really? A dummy? And he's like, yeah, but it's going to be your voice. And he goes, yeah, but that's most of the my time in the movie is like that. And here's the funny thing, though. I know it's a dummy, but his voice is so iconic to me that I never put it like, oh, yeah, that's a dummy. I always go, oh, yeah, it's just Jack. It's just, you know. Do you mind? The man's a friend of mine. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, 10 hour days, shoot the transformation scene. Um, it was almost all filmed backwards. Uh, oh, the reason for the porno. Oh my God, this is the most important. We're gonna, we're gonna end with this. Um, yeah, definitely. So when they went scouting, they went to Piccadilly Circus, there was a normal cinema playing, right? Um, it was a cinema house and they were playing, I think it was like, cartoons or something if I'm not mistaken it was something very um, opposite of what it was so they got permission from the theater this that and the other and like cool we're going to film the last scene here perfect 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 then they go to film and it's a porno theater and they're like um okay interesting so we're going to have to change the script <laughs> when you see the subway queue the the murder that takes place there um you'll notice a couple of commercials a the movie airplane you'll see a poster for that uh and then you'll see wendy's and it always makes me hungry because wendy's if you know me wendy's is my fast food joint fuck yeah wendy's kicks ass a lot of people are like in and out burger or what a burger or 
uh, whatever. Ew. And don't even bring McDonald's into this. But if you want a fucking good burger, go to Wendy's. And by the way, they have a secret menu. For instance, I always get mine. I don't get like mustard and man, or ketchup and mustard, right? I always get their their Dijon mustard, which they have, and then I get ranch sauce, right? And then instead of getting lettuce, I get spring mix. Instead of getting American cheese, I get their cheddar cheese or their Munster cheese, which is really good. It's all there. And how you do this is you get out your phone and you go to like a like Grubhub or or DoorDash or whatever, and it will tell you what options are on there. Now you don't have to order it from there, obviously, because you know you want it hot and fresh and it's delicious. Fuck, man, Wendy's. I might go for Wendy's later. I'm not sure yet. See where the day takes me. The hell was I talking about? The porno. Yeah, so anyway, uh, you'll see this... this um, You'll see this ad for this porno, and it says, uh, See you next Wednesday. Non-stop total action orgy. And you'll see that, and it's funny because at the very end, um, the end scene begins with well i guess it's the second to last end scene um begins with jack luring david into this porno theater and this porno is hilarious um it is one of the funniest scenes in any movie ever uh he sits down they're watching you know this porno and it's got the music going and then this guy walks in in the porno and he goes hey i told you never to do this again and he goes i never met you before in my life and and then uh no, he said, I never promised you such a thing. And he goes, not here, you twit her. And she goes, I've never seen you uh, before in my life. And he goes, oh, sorry then, carry on. And then David goes to Jack and he goes, good movie. This porno was filmed by Landis. They actually got four real porno actors. And they were actually naked. So there probably was no penetration, but there was definitely rubbing because I saw the making of it and they were naked in the bed. I saw bush, I saw boobs, I saw, I saw labia all that good stuff. I saw that. So it wasn't like today where they have that underwear and shit. So they, and then in fact, there's a funny thing about Landis talking about directing this great movie. And then all of a sudden the set falls down and you see the four of them like doing it. And he's like, oops. And (laughs) they apparently thought it was charming and hilarious. It's very British humor, which is hilarious. It's like an American guy trying to do British humor, which makes British humor even funnier, I guess. Or I mean, anyway, so yeah, John Landis uh, directed that. And he said it was like one of the funnest things because, I mean, it's kind of pervert. I, but at, at the same time, he, he thought it was hilarious to direct a porno in a comedy movie that's also a horror movie. That's what makes this movie so great, man. It just doesn't know what it wants to be, but everything it tries to be, it's good. It's like Bo Dallas. Wait, no. Bo Namath? Bo knows. Who's the guy that played baseball and... and if Bo, Bo Jackson? Bo something. Not Bo Dallas. Well, boy, howdy. Um, now, to end this, if you look at the beginning, um, it says a <laughs> a Lincoln Throat limited production. I don't know what that means, but it's I, w- I always thought it was pretty funny. That I don't know if that was like Landis's starting his own thing or what, but I I, I, I always thought that was a little cheeky. And uh, that's what I got in American World in London. Um. I don't give it an 89%. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this movie a, a 96. Uh, and the only reason why is I think some scenes could have been longer and some scenes could have been shorter. Oh, another thing, too, I forgot to even tell you. For instance, like the, uh, the zoo scene is so ridiculous. It's so great, but it doesn't really belong in the movie, though. It's, you know, it shows them waking up with wolves, and that's what makes sense. By the way, 
they guerrilla filmed that. They did not have permission to film there, and they definitely didn't have permission to go inside those uh, those cages. I mean, think about the OSHA shit right now. Dude, David wakes up naked in a wolf pen. Naked. Wolf. Cage. And he climbs out of it. And it's not a stun double either. That shit wouldn't fly today. <laughs> SAG would be all over that shit. I don't know, does SAG count when you film with it? It's got it, right? Screen Actors Guild? Can't be just American. Yeah, because like a lot of movies are filmed in Toronto. If you see a movie and you and you, it's mainly filmed at night, and they say it's L.A., chances are it's Toronto. If I, I don't know where a movie's from, people go, where was that film? They go, I don't know, Toronto. And <laughs> nine times out of ten, I nail it. <coughs> Unless it's like Adventures in Babysitting, um, where you know you could tell where that's filmed or L.A. Fuck, that's what me and Antonius were talking about last night. Uh, yeah, Adventures in Babysitting. I know it's not horror and it's not sci-fi, but just like I just did Mean Girls recently, I do like my retro movies and... Um, and Adventures of Babysitting is fucking hilarious. And it is very culty. So there you go. I think cult movies kind of count. It's not horror or sci-fi, but if it's, you know, got some kind of like underground kind of feel to it, you know, then then I'll do it. Yeah, that movie, by the way, is owned by Disney. So I'm going to try to find a version that's not because they edited it. So, um, like for instance, they take out like stabbed, murdered, raped. They they took out that scene. I think they take out a couple of the other scenes where he's making the spaghettios with meat thing. I think they. T- anyway, I, I just I remember watching it um, and renting it from Disney, and I remember it being a little bit different. I was like, wait a minute, they didn't say that line. So I'm probably gonna have to find uh, one on Blu-ray in order to find. Unless someone is nice and buys me one, that'd be awesome. You guys need to start buying me movies, dude. I've, I've been buying like two, three movies a month. It's getting expensive. Because, you know, I, I even though I have all the streaming stuff, I don't have, like, HBO and I don't have, um, I don't have uh, the Disney one, but I have almost everything else. And, and shit, it's just sometimes you want to find a movie and it's like, that is the one day they took it off. And then, of course, you buy it and the next day it's back on. You're like, fuck. Ugh. Well, yeah. So, anyway, that's um, my little uh, monologue and making of the movie American Wolf in London. Like I said, I give it a 95 very great movie. Um, it's definitely worth rewatching if you haven't seen it in a while. The effects hold up. They really do. The only thing that doesn't is the sound quality. Here's what I mean. Um, the talking will be really loud or low, and then you'll hear the gunshots, which clearly the Foley artists didn't know what they were doing because they make the gunshots sound like pistols. Anyway, and uh, uh, they're really loud, so you kind of have to make sure that you either you just... Yeah, just heads up the the sound the foley isn't that great um but uh it doesn't it doesn't really hold up like it did on celluloid Ooh, i said that word and with that i guess i'm gonna let us go um thank you for listening to the knife party podcast remember to like subscribe share all that other good stuff um i am on patreon.com slash knife party pod once again uh you get everything about two weeks early and it's only a dollar to join i am going to do a contest pretty soon i'll tell you about that later just did it try to get you guys in there if you hear my top 10 ones those those are going to eventually only be on there and also i'm doing something with Antonius called cinema court it's where we take a movie to trial we see if it's good or not you know it's one of those movies where i'm like i'm not sure if i like it or hate it so we'll take it to court and see what happens and uh yeah that's about it well um i'm gonna go return some videotapes be kind and rewind and i think if i press this button
Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Yeah? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. David, stop! I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead! Yeah, Jack is dead, and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. Oh, be serious, would you? You can't let them go. Should the world know our business? It's murder, then. Then murder it is. Excuse me. I'm a werewolf. A werewolf? A naked American man stole my balloons. What? It's not Jack! Right, come on! Let me through! Stand aside, Let me through!